right, so we open Erevin's scene. You are on a wagon, and it's laden with goods. There's barrels and crates, and there's also a, like a heavy canvas tarp laid over something kind of in the middle of all of that. And uh, it's late at night, you know, like midnight, maybe even like past midnight, uh, dark night. There's uh, a little bit of mist in the air. So there's some some uh, some fog starting to kind of rise up. To the left of you is uh, the ocean of Draymouth. It's calm in this part, so there's just little sound of the wave laughing, but it's not very aggressive. And you are traveling down this road, and you expect to see no one. And that is why you are completely surprised to see what appears to be an, a contingent of elven soldiers not far in front of you, crossing the road as if they were waiting for you. And perhaps even more concerning is one of the towns, which is something that you would be familiar with as an elf, is standing there with them. And it is basically basically behind them. And they're really right in front of you, like a checkpoint, as if they knew you were coming. What are you going to do? I will ride the cart almost all the way up to the front of them. You see the elves, like, they'll take, like, a step back. The mage hound doesn't move. Roll me a perception check. Uh, 13. It's, it's quite dark, uh, but there's something about this mage hound that doesn't, sit right with you for some reason you know you've probably seen several of these over the course of your life and you know they're, they're featureless but this one has some sort of marking you don't have it have to have its dirt or a gouge but it, it almost looks like it's squinting at you so when my wagon and the horse that's pulling it reaches uh near the front of the elf i will say to the elf i mean to go through and then the entire time i will my my gaze doesn't look at that elf that I'm addressing. It actually looks at the mage hound that is unusual. So uh, so the elf, he looks like a, like a guard captain. He's wearing the regalia of, uh, of the captain. Uh, steps over and he'll, he'll put a hand on your horse, uh, rubbing it, its flank, kind of calm. And he, he gets a hold of the bridle. And it's a very casual move, but you clearly sense that that's him saying, you're not leaving. Uh, Traveler, what is your name? Everin Serker. What can I do for you, Captain? Uh, we have reason to believe that there is some contraband that's supposed to be traveling down this road. Of course, we suspect that you would not be a part of that, but I would not be doing my job if I did not fully inspect your wares just to ensure for both of our sakes that there is nothing untoward on your wagon. Is, is there anything on your wagon that we would need to be concerned about? Of course not. I will be free and frank and say that I am a traitor. So what wares are you hauling this lovely evening? One of the other elves is sort of circling around the other side towards your back of your wagon. Well, Captain, I am a, a trader of goods, in particular, dark iron. Right, when you say that, the elf that was sort of reaching towards your wares actually pulls back a hand like of a, of a snake was there. Like that, that term startles him. Dark uh, iron, that's valuable, but deadly. Is that why you're taking it out so late? That's also why I'm by myself. I don't find too many that are willing to bear this burden with me. It is good work, though. Pays well. And he sort of emphasizes that a little bit, maybe more than he should. But you're doing good works for the Empire. I appreciate that. But but still, we do need to uh, inspect things. And he'll sort of lean over and he does kind of a whistle. But the Maytown responds to that. And it sort of comes lumbering over. And it will actually circle around the wagon, and it starts, like, picking up things. You get the sense that it can't be affected by dark iron, so it doesn't matter. Quickly, 
they go through all the things and all that's left is the canvas tarp in the middle. And you almost get the feeling like he knows there's something there and he's sort of watching you to see how you react as they get closer and closer to that. Captain, it pays well because there aren't a whole lot of us that are willing to do this. Tell your hound and the rest of your guards to be careful. I wonder what would happen if some of the dark iron got disturbed before I was able to temper it and it, say, exploded. Roll of deception. Uh, 17. He chuckles a little bit at that. And it's that weird half thing where he's pretty sure you're joking, but he's just scared enough that if you're not, he's not going to take it. So he actually does take like a half step back. And then he, he kind of says, be careful with that um, as the mage hound continues to move things. And, and then now we've got to the last thing. And the mage hound reaches over and he just rips the cloth off. What do we see underneath the cloth? We have a body, lifeless, laying there. It's got some wounds on its side and uh, a bleeding, I'd say dried blood rather, on its forehead near one of the temples. So, so obviously tarp off dead body, elven body. Yes, elven body. I'm sorry. And uh, and the the guard captain, he doesn't like react like you would think a guard captain would react to that. He just sort of looks back up at you as if to explain. Well, Captain, I told you there weren't a few of us that do this. That happens to be someone that got in my way when I picked up my goods. A uh, we'll call it a rival. I didn't like how he spoke to me, and. Um, I'm just taking his body back to town to show his contingent that I am here for business. So essentially you just confess to murder and the guard captain doesn't really react, at least not initially. And he takes a a step back and takes like a thoughtful pose and says, well, I'm afraid, sir, that, uh, you know, this is a matter for the court. I I can't take your word that this man needed to die. Uh, And I'm, you know, I know the courts are, busy. They have a lot of things going on, but I don't think we can, we can remove this from their decision. I, I can't think of a way that would make it okay for this to happen. Can, can you think of anything that would make this okay? I can think of perhaps one thing. Uh, this dark iron is worth quite a bit, and uh, it, I do so happen to have pretty good sum. Surely you're not insinuating that you would bribe me a, a guard captain of the Elven Empire with all my men right here watching. That would be foolhardy for me to take a bribe with all of my men here watching. No, Captain, I, I wouldn't tell you to take a bribe, but maybe maybe you deserve a, a nice dinner and some drinks. Maybe, uh, maybe you have a wife that uh, needs some new dress or uh, a son that maybe needs some private lessons. Maybe these other men have the same thing. Hmm. That's, you know, those, those are questions that I think philosophers should answer best. Perhaps we should all think about that for a moment. And he's just sort of like waiting. Well, at this point, um, it's pretty late and I want to be going. So to get out of this situation um, quick as I can, I will take a pouch that's on my side and kind of toss it in my hand once and let it uh, let everything jingle so that he can hear it. And I will just uh, reach down and hand it to him. 
my palm up, letting him take it out of my hand, and just kind of cock my head to the side as if to say, can we be done with this? So he um, he smiles as he takes the bag, and he just, I mean, with the grace of an elf, he slides it inside of his, like, tunic, and uh, he just, uh, he says, grace of the elves be with you, and glory to the emperor. And they just sort of smiles, and you know, just he turns away completely forgotten about you, uh, the other elves have circled around. You do notice that the that the mage hound, again, it doesn't have eyes, but it looks like it's looking at you, kind of thoughtful, and it's it, it's almost unsettling. But it doesn't do anything. You'll have to get down and put the tarp back over yourself. But at this point, they are literally ignoring you, like they don't care anymore. I will eye the guards as I go through them with the cart, and I'll get past them a little bit. I will stop the horse climb over the back seat of uh, where I'm sitting on the front of the wagon and uh, redrape the tarp the whole time, though, uh, I will be eyeballing the mage hound again and watching it, not paying attention to anything else, but making sure that obviously the tarp covers uh, the body. Right. So the uh, the rest of the elves, they've actually started to walk on the same way you were coming, but the mage hound is continuing to stand in the middle of the road looking towards you or faced towards you. And you can even hear, like, the, the commander sort of, like, calling at the Maytown to come on. I'll look over my shoulder at least once after I hear his after I hear his call to see if it's moving or what its reaction is. It hasn't moved yet. It's still standing there looking at you. As you sort of go out of, out of sight the other way, you actually see the commander coming back to it as if, like, redressing it for not listening. And that, that sort of fades into the background. You continue on your way for probably about another hour. So it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. And there's a small, just like a pier, uh, just off to your left that just kind of goes out into the calm ocean. And you can hear the lapping of the waves, but there's another sound, a, a, a paddling sound that you can also hear barely. So I will take the wagon down toward the pier, and I'll give the horse probably something to uh, to chew to occupy itself, to keep it quiet. There's some and grass around. Yeah, tie it to uh, maybe a tree limb or something so it doesn't go away. I will walk around the back of the wagon and just kind of flip the tarp over halfway on itself, uh, revealing probably three quarters of the body or so. And off of the uh, body, I'll kind of climb in the back of the wagon. I take the bottom of the tarp and I flip it over on itself uh, about halfway, revealing most of the body. I will reach up and grab the hand of the body and I will slip a ring off of its middle finger. And when you do that, uh, there's like a shimmery uh, sort of glow envelops the elf, and it, it changes form a little bit. And no longer do you see the elf that you killed, but there's actually a singed elf there. And almost like they were in some sort of magical slumber, they, they shake awake. And you can still see the, the ears have freshly been cut. They're, they're scabbed over, but they're still bleeding a little bit. Uh, the skull cap that was recently affixed. There's still just like bright red skin all the way around where it was affixed. And uh, the, the, the guy, it's a male elf, um, well, elf no more, uh, just looks exhausted. Even though he woke up from this magical slumber, he just seems weak and tired. And he seems confused because he was unconscious before you took your part of the route. So he doesn't know who you are. And he sort of startles and you see almost like a skittish animal sort of backs up and puts his back against the front of the wagon away from you. Easy, Ara. Easy. Who, who are you? Where, where am I? What's going on? My name's Evren. I've, uh, we've reached a place that, that you can be on your way, safe. 
you see his hand go up to his head uh, almost like unconsciously. And then when he touches that metal plate, just defeat in his eyes. And you imagine he, he probably thought this was a dream. You know, he's probably dreamed that every day that it was a dream. And once again, he's hit with the reality. If so this, this is really happening. It is. I'm sorry. There isn't much we can do to change it now, but you just have to do what you can to learn to live with it and keep yourself safe. So you hear uh, that paddling sound get closer. There's a, there's a, sh- a rowboat coming up close to the pier where you're at. Come with me quickly. He isn't quick, but he kind of lumbers up to his feet, a little bit woozy. And uh, I'll take his hand and kind of guide him out of the wagon, give him a, uh, a shoulder to lean on. I will, uh, I'll kind of take him and put my hand around, uh, around his waist, kind of supporting him, being that he's uh, just awakened and still probably in some pain from uh, the trauma that he went through. He, he's wincing with the steps, and uh, he actually starts, like, weeping. You know, he's not, like, full-out blubber bawling, but there's tears pretty well streaming down his eyes. Um, you lead him just down the pier, and right about the time you get to the edge, you can see the rowboat coming right up in front, and there's a very short, stocky, cloaked figure that is uh, putting the oars up right as the, the boat comes up beside and it just sort of sits there in, in silence. A couple more steps, Aro. Just a few more. You can do this. And we'll shuffle a few more closer to within earshot of regular voices. I don't want to have to yell it. But to the cloaked figure, I say, may your axe cut deep and your mead be strong. So with that call sign, the figure throws back its hood, and it's a burly dwarf with a magnificent beard braided and all these kind of crazy designs. And he, he doesn't smile gleefully, but he smiles knowing that you are who you say you are. He finishes getting the boat just below the pier. There's like a ladder down, and he says, quickly, quickly. I will um, probably pick Ara up a little bit um, and help him walk so that he, um, knowing that he's not moving very well. And we will walk over to the ladder and I will kind of help turn him around so that he can go down feet first. And I will uh, yell down uh, to Orsic, uh, the dwarf that uh, paddled the boat up. And I'll say, careful with this one. Uh, he seems to be a little a little bit more in pain than some of the others that I've brought to you. I'll treat him like a newborn kitten, I will. Sort of stands up and he at the bottom is sort of helping guide him down as well as you're going from the top. So you guys are able to, to get him into the boat. He kind of lays down in the well of the boat and you see he's got a tarp he throws a tarp over him as well uh, as well and then he sort of gives you like a quick little two-finger wave without anything else he starts paddling back out into the darkness you're you're sure there's something out there probably a ship of some sort but it's too far out for you to see or it's hidden somehow under my breath uh just to no one in particular i'll say out loud keep yourself safe ara and then um you notice sort of a pain in your uh, the palm of your right hand, it it's been bothering you for a while. Just it's sort of an, almost like an achy feeling. I'll take my left hand and with my thumb, and I'll take my thumb and kind of work it into my palm to try to massage the pain out of it. And uh, that's when you you kind of see there's a discoloration in your palm. It's not distinctive yet, but to someone who's trained with dark iron like you are, you recognize it as the poisoning. There's a kind of a grimace on my face. At some point, I expected this to be it, hoping it wouldn't be this soon. But um, I kind of take my hands apart, shake my my right hand, 
not necessarily shrug my shoulders, but know that there's nothing I can do about it at this point. And I go back to my horse and wagon. All right. And that is where we will leave your scene as you are getting back onto your horse, heading back uh, into town. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at vrpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.